What's up, family? I am Corindiana Lane, and I do worship. And I am Nazinga Benton, and I do therapy. And together, this is Worship and Therapy. We always, because it's super important, give our disclaimers. As an international worship leader, a parent, a spouse, a friend, and a regular person like everyone else, it's tough to find a place where you can kick back, let your hair down, and just be heard. So we created a platform that focuses on mental health advocacy for not only Christians, but also African-American communities, where we discuss the really tough issues that we all deal with in life. And now, Nzinga will give her disclaimer. I am a licensed professional counselor. However, I am not your counselor, and this does not replace you going to counseling. The things I discuss are things I've researched, things I've experienced, and my personal opinions on the matter. Now, with that being said, let's get into this week's episode. We're going to jump right in talking about these closets. What's in your closet? Mine has a whole lot of stuff in it. Um, so starting off, we have a topic like what's in your closet, exposing traumas. Um, in our conversation we had and pre-planned this, uh, this talk, we discovered so many things that could be in someone's closet that they're not necessarily sure it's there. And when we say closet, we're using closet metaphorically as your mind, your subconscious, uh, what you have kind of going on that happens in your life that you don't necessarily deal with you just kind of survive and you just kind of keep moving meanwhile it's still affecting your life whatever that trauma is so as we talked about last week which one of the tools is exposing it exposing those traumas exposing kind of taking a deeper look at what's inside your closet so Nazinga, what were some of the things that we like literally talked about i have i, I have like so many i have like 10 things i think on our list <laughs> yeah we had a lot right um, so um and i don't even i don't even know i'm not not a notes person even though i took notes i'm i think i'm I, i'm gonna go with what i'm my natural instinct is to do so when talking about traumas and talking about things in your closet um one is it's important to understand that trauma is usually not just we don't necessarily have one trauma. We have traumas because mm -hmm. traumas often beget traumas, which is what, why are we even talking about a closet being stuffed, right? Um, or experience, experience after experience that maybe we didn't view or recognize in the moment as trauma, but ended up being traumatic. When it comes to traumas, I say this often, we didn't say this in the conversation, but I think it's important to say, a child or an adult, anyone, breaking a bone, falling off a bike, is traumatic because mm. we'll keep them at you know if someone you know we have molestation we have murders we have um oh gosh you name it you know all the seven deadly sins and all these things that you know and we have individuals likely have experienced or know someone who's experienced but we also have things that sometimes we neglect something like you know falling off a bike and breaking your your arm something like falling off a bike mm. breaking no bones can be traumatic right um and experience anything that kind of shifts you from your normal flow or causes you to be fearful of 
mm. an occurrence or something. So there are several. So sometimes we may we may have stuffed the falling off the bike or the, you know, those are things we may not have paid attention to that couldn't come back. Now, that's not the case with everyone because as children right. we typically are resilient. But I think it's important um, that we highlight so many things. And as it relates to the church, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. But even as it relates to the church, our experiences with people has been traumatic. Traumatic. Um, and there's a story I likely will share at the end. I'll see how the flow goes um, about a traumatic experience that still impacts me to this day. As a therapist, I am still dealing with it and how it has stifled me um, having that traumatic experience. So understanding that there are experiences that can happen in, the, in our natural spaces and with our physical bodies that can impact us mentally. Um, I won't go into detail about this story because my cousins are on here and they're laughing at me. But uh, when I was young, like 13 or 14, I jumped in the pool thinking I could, I really was trying to show out for this dude, this little boy. But I jumped in the pool with a life jacket, but I didn't realize that the life jacket is a life jacket and it saves you, right? And I was like, ah, I'm drowning. Like, it was crazy. But the point of the story is they made me, after I did that, they made me, after I had this whole hysteric, you know, panic attack, they made me jump in the three feet where I could stand. And the purpose, what the swim instructor said is so that you would not be fearful of water. Mm -hmm. So our experiences, yeah. and I just wanted to share that real quickly, but our experiences can impact because there are some people who, you know, um, I got a piece of glitter stuck in my finger as a kid. I hate glitter to this day because I remember how, how, how bad it hurt and the pain and what happened for them to get that glitter out of my nail. I am terrified of glitter. I cannot stand glitter. Mm. That's, that is a trauma, That's right? A trauma. And so, but getting to where we are, um, and Corinne, I'll turn it over to you, is what traumas have we packed away, not dealt with, not owned, or mm -hmm. have caused us to possibly inflict trauma on someone else because mm -hmm. we haven't dealt with ours and so then we and my cousin said it was traumatic to watch because she was there when i was flailing and thinking my life was ending so even that so me going through trauma was right. traumatizing mm -hmm. for other people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's the so, yeah and so and, you know, I have this saying um, about a lot of things, behaviors. Behavior begets behavior. Trauma begets trauma begets trauma. And sometimes it's not always trauma begets trauma for me. Like, I'm in trauma or I've experienced it, so then here comes some more. Sometimes it's I am in this space of trauma, and, and I then traumatize others. And I see someone said, hurt people, hurt people. Yes. Right. And, and understand. And so what happens with the whole packing it in the closet is we don't deal. Right. We do not deal with our traumas often. Right. Right. Um, we push it away. We push it aside. And we shift and become different people. Mm. So I avoid that space and that place. So now I'm missing out on something there. So I'm shifting who I am. Because that is the place and space that normally I go or that I like. But because of that experience, I don't go that way anymore. Right. I'm tucking it away. I'm tucking it away. I'm tucking it away. And it's a dangerous thing to tuck it away because we've said in a session before, I think we may have even said it in both. At some point that closet is going to be busting at it seems. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then it's like, because of the things that are in the closet, that's what starts presenting through our physical body. And so there you it's, it starts to show up as different things, depression, panic attacks, you know, different levels of anxiety, uh, the fear of driving, you know, fear of all kinds of things. And sometimes even when we're they're not, um, sometimes they, they will present themselves not as direct as we would, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's say for me, I was driving in my car when panic attacks hit me. But my, whatever I was going on in my closet had nothing to do with me driving, had nothing to do with, you know, cars. I mean, it, it, you know, but now because of that's how it was presented, now I have another traumatic situation. Mm -hmm. On top of whatever was there that I, you know, just, you know, didn't know was there, didn't deal with, or just was surviving. Now it's presented, another, you know, I've presented yeah. with another level of trauma. And when that happened, when that happened, because afterwards I had a hard time getting in the car. You know, once that happened with me and my girls, even now when I'm driving, just us, I still have like a, a thought of, you know, I, it's just weird. Like, cause I'm still like, <laughs> oh, what could happen right now? Again, oh no, you know, like that type of thing. So it's like, that is that gets, gets, gets. If we don't stop and actually like, okay, I'm fine, all, you know, all is well, I'm gonna be okay. But if I don't do that, then that'll become another cripple, you know, a crippling for me in my life. You know what I mean? Um, some other uh, things that, you know, we talked about, the molestation, rape, daddy issues, mommy issues, self-esteem issues, mm -hmm. um, eating disorders, like being talked about as a, as a child or as a kid. Um, yeah, that was, that's what I had. So it's like, like, like all those different things, you never know that those are the roots to a lot of things that, that is presenting through our physical bodies, which is, you know, all, all, all of those freaking panic attacks and all kinds of crap because of what's not dealt with in our subconscious and our closets. Yep. And I just see um, 19 perfectly imperfect 81 Recently learned, recent learned lesson, I love this. The space in which, you're, you, um, in which trauma triggers you is not always the place that the consequence of it shows up in your life. Yep, that's it. Said perfectly. Perfectly and perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that was perfect. So that's yeah, perfect. pretty Zeta. Hey girl, hey. Talked about secondary trauma and complex trauma. And, that, and those are the, the terms used and they are, it is real. Mm. It is so real and i think it's important that we begin to unpack right and and what i say always to anyone that i speak to find you a therapist find you a licensed clinical individual that can help you unpack this because the danger the flip side of that right. is to unpack your closet with people who are not organizers Mm. Um, and I'm using that metaphorically. You you unpack and start cleaning out a closet with folks who don't know how to clean out closets. Uh huh. You gonna end up with a bigger mess because they don't know. They're not. They can't help you. God, like if I know I got a whole bunch of stuff in my closet. If I think about the physical closet, there's a lot of things in there. And and we've talked about this. And I know I need to clean it out. 
but I bring someone along who's just as bad as me. Mm. What they will do, or who knows no more than I do. They might who put cannot more. assist me. <laughs> they, what they'll do is say, okay, girl, you should keep that, though. I mean, I think, but, I mean, that is so, nah, you can't let that go, girl. I know, I mean, it might have been when you were small and you were medium now, but you're going to get back to that size. And they'll mm -hmm. convince you, right? So right. the same with those who are not trained to help assist with trauma right. will be the same. Well, that's not that bad. Right. Well, I know you said this happened, but, I mean, what did you do? Right. Did you, did you, have you ever thought about maybe you did something, that the reason why this happened? Right. Because they're not equipped. And so sometimes we talk to our friends and our friends will maybe be on our sides and say, girl, yeah, they shouldn't have done that. That shouldn't have happened. Well, now you're, you're breeding frustration and potential anger from me. Right. Adding to my trauma and I'm still not dealing with it. Right, right. And so if we understand even that, that it's important that as we unpack this trauma, as we start digging and looking in our closet and recognizing what is, what isn't, that we have people, and, and let's own too, let's have someone that I said that, who understands because some things in there may not necessarily be trauma, but we put it in the trauma bucket. Right. You know, some things may not be, but we place it in that and we place it, and those might be, some of those things may be the easier things that we could probably process and get rid of and keep it moving. Yeah. But we convince ourselves that everything in here is a problem. Yeah, and I think that's what keeps um, wanting to do you know I think we talked about in the last session that um, because there's so much that's that's there or you're not sure what's there so I don't want to go in there and I'm not really sure what's in there and I don't want to do so if there's something like really traumatic or something that you've completely blocked out of your life mm -hmm. blocking it and surviving doesn't mean that it's not still there and it's not still presenting itself in different ways, whether you have social issues, you know, interacting with people, um, hard having feet. You know, I know for a lot of females, I've always heard, yeah, I don't, I don't deal with females or I don't, I don't have female friends because they da da da. And it's like, there's something, to, there's something, there's a root to that. That's not a normal thing, although it's pretty common. You know what I mean? But that's really a traumatic thing that, that, that something's going on with you in your subconscious that you've rerouted your life to this is now who you are. Yeah, I don't, because I don't, but nobody wants to go there and really unpack, you know. I think That's for, heavy. if I speak for, like, for myself, the very first thing that, that I started with before I sought a therapist was worship for me. And not in a sense of, because a lot of people, when they hear worship, think singing they think mm -hmm. oh song and you're singing to the lord and you're like Hallelujah. no worship is literally bowing down you know what i mean like laying prostrate before the father in in communion with him, dialoguing talking with him laying it all on the line getting everything out that's in your heart concerning mm -hmm. your life, whatever those things may be in my t in my time and the at the very uh, depth of when my panic attacks began, fortunately I say that now, but at the time it was horrible. But I know now, fortunately, 
because I ran to the father during that time instead of away from him, which is most is what most people do. They run away, mostly believers, I would say. They run away because they don't feel, they're like, you know, they either get angry or they, you know, they get upset or they don't really think that they can commune with him in that way. Or the trauma was perpetuated in the church. In the, yeah, absolutely. So then now it's like they have this warped view of him because of that. You know what I mean? Like it may have been, you know, you were molested by a pastor or, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like now your view of God has been warped. So you run from him because you think it's his fault, you know. So, but in my case, I ran to the father. And the time that I spent with him, that's when he searched a lot of things that were in my closet. And he did a lot of the did a lot of the, the digging for me because I wasn't really at a at a place to really function. I wasn't functional at that, mm-hmm, you know, at that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he had to kind of go in like, all right, in the times when I wasn't sleeping and I, you know, had insomnia, those were the times that searched out what was going on in my closet. He presented some very, very deep, very deep things that I couldn't even believe at the time until I actually started like, oh my gosh, you know, like, mm. shit. I, like one of the things I think I mentioned last week is that he said I had daddy issues. Now I didn't realize I had daddy issues because my dad was in the home with me. So I always thought of a person who had daddy issues was a person mm-hmm. when there, they don't know their father. I never met him. You know, he was not in my life type of thing. So I'm like, okay, how do I have daddy issues? I'm like, okay, I never, like, I know like my, my relationship with my father at, at this time and at the time of my panic attacks was very strange. So, and it was a lot more so just because of the lifestyle that he lives and how, you know, and how he kind of, talks and treats you know his children at this current moment but in my like when he said daddy issues it was from a childhood perspective not from my my current right. so when i was like thinking i'm like yeah but you know, so he just started telling you know certain things that i realized um a lot of things he shed like because there were times where my i would watch my husband deal with my my girls how affectionate he is, how loving he is, how how involved and concerned and just just very affectionate. And I watch sometimes and I would be like, huh. I would I couldn't real I couldn't understand why I felt a certain when he, you know what I'm saying, when he would do that. It was almost like uh jealousy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, that's odd. Why would I be jealous? Yeah, that that's really strange. Mm. So when he present, when the Lord presented uh, any issues to me, then he brought what I felt, that jealousy feeling that I felt. And I was like, mm. oh, naps. Okay. So then I started asking my mom questions. So I'm like, you know, how, how was my relationship, you know, with him when I was a kid? Like, was he ever like affectionate? Did he ever like me up, hold me, take me to the store? You know, like all mm-hmm. of the things that I, he said no. He said, no, he didn't really do that. Matter of fact, when you were born, he didn't think you were kid. Mm. So but a lot a lot of the of the years, my younger years, 
it was real standoffish. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, huh. So not even realizing whatever I was feeling was it was def was definitely buried in me emotionally because I had validation issues. Mm -hmm. I had security issues. I I had like, you know, uh, issues of thinking I was beautiful. Um, like because then I started I started remembering certain things that I you know that I was called, you know, when I was when I was younger. Like I had problems being brown skinned. And you know, so it's like all those different things. I was like, oh my goodness. Oh yeah. my goodness. So I found the root, show me the root of my daddy issues of just not being validated as a one as a girl to think that I'm beautiful. Like when I my husband tells my girls, you're so pretty, you're so beautiful. Look at you, you're so that was I was never told that. That mm -hmm. I was always told. My what was highlighted in me was my talent. So how good I was of a singer, how good I was of an entertainer, that is what was highlighted in my life. But for me as a person without the, the, the talent, mm. what am I? Who am I? Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, if I don't do this well, then <laughs> I don't get to you in my mind. So if I don't keep doing this or doing this well, then there's yeah. nothing else for me. So so for so long, I never, I never thought I was like beautiful, attractive, any of those things. Couldn't stand my skin tone. I always I, I have a, a a light a light birthmark on the back of my arm, and I remember closing my eyes sometimes, imagining myself lighter skin. Uh. <laughs> I thought I was. I thought black was, you know, green, brown skin was ugly. So those are the roots that are, you know, that he was presenting that I started kind of seeing like, dang, okay, so this is why I act like this. This is why I, you know, I move like this. This is why I was having, you know, feeling the jealousy issue, you know, with my, you know, how he, you know, treats my girls. And I'm like, so that when my whole world opened up, when we started searching out, yeah, when we started searching out my closet. Like and right it will. Now. It will for all of us because here's the thing. So if, if God helps to show light and show you, then there are people he's also gifted. Right. Therapists, right, to help you process through it. Because it's right. one because even once you recognize, okay, here are daddy issues. Right. Here is self-esteem issues that, you know, the daddy issues that then that turned into self-esteem issues that turned into value issues that turned into these issues how do i now unpack and work through that right and so that's the importance it's like okay yes let's get in a space where we allow god to show us and then let's get in a space where we allow him to show us the people right and the person who can help us maneuver through so right. there are professional closet cleaners and organizers mm -hmm. when we think about the physical closet when it is so overwhelming that we right. know we cannot do it we're going to do one or two things we're going to call friends and family over who are good at that right and or we're going to hire someone right why won't we do that for our physical and mental selves when we recognize that things are bigger than now, granted, if it's something simple and I just moved and it's a brand new closet and I have a lot of stuff, okay, yeah, I can probably, you know, I can do a little something myself. 
But many of us, the reason why we're even talking about unpacking this closet, have stuffed closet, has have stuffed closets. We have right. stuffed mental um or just stuff in our mental. Let me just put it that like we have so much stuff here, here, right, coming out here, right. <laughs> that we do and say we have so many things right. that we need some professional help. We need more than just ourselves to help us even process. First of all, recognize that it's in there. Like you said, going to the yeah. father and he's showing you what was there. And then right. now how do I process these daddy issues? Because yeah. that's powerful. When you, when it is heavy to the point where you're like, you're looking at your husband and his relationship with your daughter. It's like, and I applaud you because so many people, have these same day-to-day -day challenges and they may not know what to call it because no one wants to say i'm jealous of my husband's relationship with my daughters no one wants to say that so it's just right. like why do yeah, i get frustrated right, right you know we'll say things like that frustrates me and then it's like but why am i fresh i mean that's nothing because he's probably doing too much and i just think he's doing too much and right right so then right. It'll, it'll it'll beget frustration in your home right right because then you treat your husband different and he's like, but babe, what I do? Yeah. What, what, which shows us why addressing these things and how deep they run. They run deep. They run oh, deep. Really deep that many of our traumas run. I have said often, I'm not sure if I've said it on here yet, but I've said often that many of us, our children, um, specifically those of us, and not to count out anyone else, but specifically those of us in the African-American community, um, many of our children, and, I, and even we ourselves, have suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder or yeah. suffer, suffer with that, have suffered some type of trauma that we never dealt with. Right. Um, many of our children, we will diagnose with ADHD. Mm -hmm. And what those of us who do this work have learned is that symptoms of ADHD mirror symptoms, symptoms of trauma. Mm. ADHD is just the easier one to diagnose and say, oh, they mm. just, you know, they're just hyperactive. They can't focus. Well, guess what? If I experience a traumatic event mm. as a child, what is the likelihood that I will focus? Mm. If I experienced that traumatic event and it actually happened to me when I think about molestation, when I think about raping of children, can I sit still? Right. Mm. Can I stay focused? Likely not. Not. Because my mind, my little mind that is mm. still being developed is going a mile a minute. Right with the things that have happened. And even if it's not that, if I've seen my mom in an abusive relationship with a right. male figure that may or may not be my father, right. that is traumatic. Can I sit still? Can I go to a class and listen to a teacher talk when I just was awakened at three in the morning and never went back to sleep from my mother getting her head beat in? Right. Or from my cousin, or because there are 12, 13, 20 people live in the house because this is our, this is the nature of our, how we've grown up. We, we, we right. got each other's back. We don't really, this, you know, we don't have the money that many have. We, we live in this social, low socioeconomic situation. So I'm sleeping on, I'm five, maybe six, and I'm sleeping on the foot of the bed where four other people are in the bed. 
Um, it's not even because mom may have multiple children. Sometimes it's because we don't have any money. And so my family sticks to get stick together. And so since we're sticking together, this is what the, the household looks like. So right. we don't have enough to buy food. For, so we ration out food. If you have all of those things and you have a six, seven, eight year old in your class who've experienced that or in your life and you're like, they can't sit still. Johnny, something's wrong. Have you ever thought? Hmm. that the situation and this is why I think having these conversations and educating and it's not that we're intentional perpetrators of trauma right 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 you know I, I now I always have to say this and this is a rabbit hole I promise I won't go down but there's a whole there's a systemic problem right today is not the day for that show and this is not the forum but there is a systemic problem we have to own that right and it has consequently caused us to live in the environments and the situations that we're living in so right. could it be, I remember reading an article, and I can't remember if I shared it on here, but I remember reading an article, and this, I read this years ago, years mm. ago, at least 10. Mm. The average urban African-American male felt that his lifespan, I want y'all to hear this, lifespan was to age 23. Mm. That was 10 years ago, 10 years ago. Wow. So if, if I feel like my, I have 23 years of living at 16, I, 16, I'm okay carrying a gun and taking out somebody's life. Cause I'm good. If I make it to 16, cause 23 is the cap. Right. Right. When you think about even people talking about, you know, if, when they get diagnosed with, you know, these terminal illnesses, they live their lives. Cause they're like, well, right. I'm getting out of here. So let's go. It's the same, and we don't understand. It is the same with our, that's trauma. So it's trauma that has gone on and on. And like I said, lest I go down that rabbit hole, bringing it back, I think what's, what, is, what is important for us to understand that at some level, we all probably have experienced trauma. Absolutely. At some point, and I think even bringing it closer to home, in the church, dare I say, many of us yeah. have experienced trauma because people have said things done things right that have stifled many of us and we talked about this yep. um that have stopped us from growing yep. even in that which we know we were called and created to do yep and i think in 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 the sense of talking about worship and therapy it is important to highlight that yep that many people in the church have perpetuated the very trauma that we feel. And sometimes it's not because the pastor may have molested a child or the, or the leader did this switch. Sometimes because you opened your mouth and said something. Yeah. Because yep. I had on something you didn't like. Or because yep. you don't like who I am as a, as a believer or as a praise and worship leader or as a, you know, as a preacher, teacher. And you said, you know what, you, it doesn't really take all that. You really, you know, you don't have to do all of that. You, you can just do a little bit and, you know, people will be all right. And we think we're helping. We think we're we, helping. Have, we have just inflicted trauma. Oh. Yep. Especially in the, in the space where it comes to your gift, the very thing that that your purpose to do, especially when you when you get to the point where you've where the Lord has revealed it to you, this is who you are, this is what you're called to do. This is and and it's like, okay, 
you're ready to go full-fledged into who you are. You step in it fully and you're like, yeah. But then it's like the moment that the fullness of you is exposed in the church, it's either not received well, it's either they don't understand it. So sometimes certain things are said to you that stifle you as a as in your purpose. So when you're so then when you kind of shut down or you pull back or you leave the church, you're like, I'm not accepted here. Whoever the Lord called me to be in my fullness, <laughs> nobody accepts me here. Yep. So when I leave, or I, you know, if I leave the church or I stop serving or I pull back from who I am, now I'm not in the fullness of my purpose. So a part of you feels depressed. Yep. There you because have it. Your existence on this earth is wrapped around what you were called here for and to do. So if I can't fully be in my purpose and I can't fully be in who I am, that's going to cause depression for one, because you have, because as a creative and as, as the Lord who is creator, created us as creatives we are designed to pour out everything that we are we're designed that way he made us up that way he filled us with so many gifts so many things mm -hmm. to do in this earth realm but if we can't do it in the place that we feel we were called to that because and I guess culturally, the church is is supposed to be the place that we pour, which is what we're taught. That's not necessarily true. Now that I've you know lived a, you know a little life and I've been saved a little, a little long, a little, a little long. long. Mm -hmm. Um, now that we know, now that I know that that okay, well, my gift is not contained to these walls. But before you get to that place where you think that that's what, where you're supposed to be, and you go there all full-fledged, here I go, but then it's like, you're not accepted, you're, you're doing too much, it doesn't take all that, you're too emotional, you're too this, you're too that, you're too this, and you're too that, and do this, and do that. So now you're like, okay. Meanwhile, the Lord is like, do this, do that. <laughs> be who I called you to be. Be who I called you to be, you know? And the church is telling you, be who I tell you to be. Be who I tell you to be. The Lord's like, be who I called you to be. The church is like, be who I tell you to be. And then, so now you're just like, yeah, I don't know. Which, my point is, <laughs> that is traumatic to you as a being because of how we are designed and we're supposed to pour. So if we're not in a space, if I do worship and that's what I do and that's who I am, but I cannot pour in the way that I was created to pour, that will frustrate me yep. as a being. Yep. And that those frustrations will begin to present themselves in my physical body. They will. They do. And that, that is, that's why I, I go back to, there's so much trauma wrapped into the church. God gave me a phrase um, a few years ago and I, or maybe a year ago and I posted it 
Some of us miss the poor because we don't like the picture. Because I'm a picture. He, he, I, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to get. You gonna miss the poor. Because you don't like, but the, the picture ain't the poor. The picture is not- the carrier of it. And that the church is such a huge perpetuator of this trauma. Mm. Because we want you to look a certain way. We want you to act a certain way. I remember someone said to me, I mean, people say a lot of stuff to me. Um, and have. And I've had thick skin for the most part. I remember one church member said to me, um, you just don't know what you want to do with your hair. Every time I see you, it's a different way. I said, no, you don't know what I want to do with it. I know exactly what I want to do because that's why I do it. Um, and that was my, res- come on, somebody, right? And that was my response to her. But I'll tell you, you said something that is so profound in the gift that you are called in ministry. So, you know, just being a creative and established person is just who I am, right? But I know there are two gifts that that I operate in often that are the gifts that we see a part of that fivefold ministry. Um, there, there are gifts that I operate in and that's where my biggest trauma has been. Um, in my gift of worship and praise through song and my gift of preaching. Um, it has been, you know, said, you know, you start too strong. You, you know, you gotta, you, you, you can't start up that you, you always, you come in on 10. You, you, you can't come in on 10. I'm like, well, but 10 is where I live. <laughs> 10 is going to a hundred for me. I'm going somewhere. I'm starting at 10, but trust me, I got room to get to a hundred because that's who I am. But I remember a moment, and I'm going to share this. I've shared this with my cousins on our family call for the first time because I had not shared it with anyone. I was in church one Sunday. I mean, one, I don't even know. It was, it was an evening service. I remember that. And I wasn't to, I was there. The choir was singing a song. I was called up to sing with them. As I was going up, there was someone in the choir whom I've admired for years who looked at someone else and said, why is she coming up here? Mm. I read her lips. It was like, why she, and everything shifted as I started. Everything in me, every drop, every ounce of what I knew I was to do left. Mm. In that moment, it left. From a, just a standard of singing, I was horrible that night (laughs) because I was gone. It -hmm. was not only the words, it was the person who mouthed the words. Mm -hmm. Traumatized me. And this is, this happened some years ago. It has impacted me even to this day because every time I grab the mic, I'm okay for the most part grabbing the mic to say, you know, say a little something. But when it comes to singing, Mm. Not so much. I probably give, I will not even say probably. I know I give half of, if, if not a third, <laughs> if not a quarter of what I have because that has haunted me for years. Mm-hmm. And I own, I was traumatized in the church. Yeah. In the church. That has haunted me. Because you say somebody you look up to and they look and say, why are you coming up? Why is she coming up here? Right, right, right. And I've tried to get it out of my head. So oftentimes when I grab the mic, that's what I see. Why are you coming up here? What are you going to do? 
Mm. And so I pull back or I don't do as much or I don't do anything. I just, yeah. because, so my confidence level in, in, in my singing ability, if I tell the 100% honest to God truth, yeah, is pretty much zero. Mm. When God has to get up and move. And that's why I go for broke because I got to connect to him. Because if I stay in the Zynga, I ain't giving y'all nothing. Because the Zynga has yeah. been traumatized in the church yeah. by church folk yeah. who get up and do worship and lead worship and speak to the Father and speak on behalf of the yeah. Father for his people. So yeah. if you think I suck and I'm nothing, then I must be nothing. And that has been in my closet for years. Hmm. For years and I'm just getting to a space where I'm able like I said I mentioned it a few months ago where I'm yeah. getting to a place where I can even say that yeah um, because and I'm not going to cry on this here show but because because I'm, I'm about to cry oh I just felt the lump like um, because it has impacted my ministry and I know that hmm to the point where people who probably are not saying anything about me, mm. who I've admired or who I'm, I sing with, I feel like they're saying something about me. Yeah. So I hold back or I freeze or I don't do as much or I just. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that one thing. Mm. And so we have to be mindful as believers, as humans. You know, I, I want to put us definitely in the church. But as humans, that how we can perpetuate trauma for others. Yeah. How our actions, our facial expressions. You know. when, and so now I'm very sensitive to people who may not be as talented as I would hope, like, and or wish. I am yeah. very sensitive to them. Yeah. Because I could be to their detriment if I talk down or put down their gift. Now, let me be clear. Some folks, we do need to have a serious talk and say, well, baby, that's just not your gift. Right. <laughs> you know, but in, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I have to be careful. I'm very mindful because yeah. now my closet stuff, my yeah. trauma, not only has it sat and rested with me, but here is the big part. I have neglected folk in my call because of the trauma potentially inadvertently causing trauma on people around me because I won't speak out and do out and do mm -hmm. what it is I'm called to do because I'm and suffering with my own stuff and my suffering and not dealing with it then causes potentially for those who I stand before to suffer as well because mm -hmm. what is in me this trauma that is in me is coming out in my tongue in my yeah. words, in my song, because I'm singing or, from pain. Or even what you omit, what you fail to say as well, because of that. That that's an that's another aspect. That's another aspect. But man, I'm <sighs> I'm so grieved by that. Like because You just like never, you never know. 
the amount of lies that are on the line when we're not in our fullness, when we don't step yeah. foot in this realm mm -hmm. as our full 100% selves, there are lies on the line because there are people that are called just to you or just to me that are, that, that the Lord called, I mean, that the Lord like, you know, sent them to see how you represent him. We all represent the father in different ways. My way of representing him is different than your way. Mm -hmm. So if you're not presenting him in his fullness through you, then the people are that are that are called to you, you're doing them a disservice. They'll never get to they'll never get to experience him through you. In his in the fullness. Maybe yeah. peace and pardon here and there, but the massiveness of him that exudes through you, they won't get to see that because somebody said something. And we got more sensitive. When I think about that in the grand scheme of things, how many other people? Right? So we, we, we're sitting here oftentimes talking about the failing of the church. Mm -hmm. The church has been its own demise. Yep. The people, let's, you know, not the institution, but the right. people. Mm -hmm. Because we've perpetuated such a space. Because even when I think about, you know, my heart, Anybody who knows me knows I absolutely love the youth. Love, love, love. Like, I can just take them all home. Yeah. All ages. All ages, right? And I, my heart is often grieved. Not often. Grieved every time. When I see those of us in the church treating them mm -hmm. like they are of some other world because of what they wear or what they do or what they listen to or how they act or how they this or how they this and what I've always learned is that I never catch a clean fish hmm. I catch it then there's time that it takes to clean it yep. but you gotta catch it first but it has to find something attractive so when I think mm. about the actual fishing, you put bait, worms, bait. that fish like on a hook. You don't just throw a hook out there with no bait. Because if you throw a hook, they ain't coming. And that's what we're doing. We say, well, what you got, what they have on them, what they do. And even to some of our own generations, people, period. When we don't accept people for who they are yeah. and what they're walking in, we are like fishers with just a hook. Mm. Because what we're not going to do is catch any fish. Now, maybe something might happen, stands, and we might move a little bit, and it just might happen to grab hold to it. Yeah. But that's it. We're not catching. The, the Bible even talks about being fishers of men. Yeah. We're not. Because we're out here mistreating. And, and here's the biggest thing. Um, my niece said this a few weeks ago. We were having a conversation. We forget that we had... Not only had, I think it's, it's sad to say, I mean, we need to just change that and start saying we had stuff. We have presence. Yeah. yeah. Our stuff too. Yeah. Now, you might not see me because, you know, this TikTok generation, they, you know, they everywhere. You see everything. So, you know, we just may stay in the house. Right, right, right. But we all have something. And so 
being mindful of how we are perpetuating the traumas mm -hmm. to our children. And we constantly say, and I have been guilty of saying it, that this is, there's a lost generation. And I think that the generations before them is the lost one. Mm. <laughs> because we've not adequately shown them how to come together. <laughs> so we're calling lost. So lost is calling lost. Mm. And not looking in the mirror and recognizing we are the lost ones because mm. we've neglected to remember right. that we once were. We once were like, we once did, and we still do. Right. And so we have to be very mindful of how we perpetuate the trauma ourselves. And even outside of the church, even as adults, you know, we'll, them kids, what are they doing? And they, they need this and they need... Now, you know you were out there doing stuff you had no business doing to. Come on. Right. But so, we are, we're just, it, this, and this is what trauma's doing, really. Yeah. Yeah. And it's time that we disrupt the trauma. Imagine. Imagine what I said before. And our creator created us with purpose for this earth realm and especially for our young people because whether it's misunderstood I you know <laughs> it's like right now statistically a lot of our young people are leaving the church they don't want nothing to do with the church they don't want and that aspect is the most detriment to our future Bye. we're supposed to be the ones that kind of that that represent father uh a, a certain way we have to represent him the right way in order for them to feel uh compelled or drawn to him per se so with up for, so with that being said we're not being the example we're not pouring into them we're not like we're not doing any of the things that we're supposed to be doing we're pushing them fullness we're doing this to them yeah they can't operate in their fullness they can't operate 100% them a lot of them either have to create alter egos and ages <laughs> and you know that just to be free to be who they are oh you said something cover who am I? What you know? What do I like? Do I like this? Do I not like this? Like, I guess the part that's 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 that I think our generation doesn't really get is that they're exploring their lives openly, and we get to see it because of social media. Mm -hmm. When we were exploring our lives, or the generation before us, ain't nobody see it but the ones you was around. <laughs> still exploratory they're still exploring so yeah. whether it's let me see if i like this let me see if i want to dress like this let me see if i want to do this if i want to drink cuss smoke whatever I, let me see if i want to do that all they're doing is exploring openly yeah that's privy to it like oh okay Woo. we can just see it in real time <laughs> but i would think of back over my life if i if there was social media or stuff that could be posted at that time, they'd be like, oh, huh, it's rough. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? But it's like, and it's those things. 
statistically, our this generation right now of young people, the suicidal rates are high, the depression rates are high, the uh, them being on um, um, uh, a bipolar uh, or uh, oh yeah, med having, yeah, diagnosis uh, and psychotropic medications, right? Take psychotropic medications uh, as teenagers. So you know what I think is so it. I started feeling a ways as I you know, got into this, what, 12, 13 years ago, when, like, certain diagnoses you do not give children. Um, bipolar is one of them. It's a, uh, and, you know, for any of my therapists on here, forgive me for not remembering the age. I think it's like five or six. Um, but there's certain, there are age limits or okay. age, you know, standards. Because typically it's like, you know, that's childlike behavior, that's this, that. But what we're seeing Mm. A huge, huge increase of that shifting. Yeah. And that children who typically were not getting these diagnoses are now getting these diagnoses. And mm. they're walking away with bipolar, schizophrenia um, at five and six years old. And they're showing evidence. They're meeting the criteria that we see. They are showing this evidence. And I think there is something that we need to look within hmm. because we are going back to what we said, we are perpetuating as parents, as friends, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles and moms and dads and cousins. We are perpetuating these behaviors. We are pushing them into this space hmm. because, and you said something, I, you said a mouthful and it is going to rest with me for the evening about all that is we are created to be and to do. It's in me to lead worship, to sing. It's in me to preach. It's in me to, to be an amazing photographer, amazing artist, amazing filmographer, like whatever it is. It's in me to be and do these great things because I've been gifted to it, to right. do it. And, then, and I come into this space of acceptance that I think should be the church, and I'm right. not. Right. What does that do to my gift? Like that to me has resonated heavy tonight. What happens to the gift? What happens to the gift? And so when they do go and go into other spaces, because it's in me, so I want to get it out and do it. Now you they're a lost soul. Have to get it out. That's the that's the that's the key there is you don't have a choice. <laughs> So they do it in other realms and other spaces, non-godlike, and we're out. like the devil. Yeah. And I am convinced. Now y'all can throw rocks and stones at me if you want, but my Bible said he is who without sin cast the first stone. So I don't think y'all gonna be throwing them. But let me just say this is my true belief. Yeah, the devil doesn't have to do a lot of work. Mm -mm. Because we do it for him. All in the name of the Lord. Right. We call everything the devil. Yeah, I think he's somewhere sitting like, <laughs> say my name, say my right. name. Right? Because <laughs> we, you know, lights go, go out in the church. Oh, that devil don't want us to have church. No, nah, somebody hit the light switch, man. Yeah. That's it. Gosh. Wow. He don't, he does not have, so when, 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 if we get that concept that we were created to create, mm. period, because that's all, that's, that's 
all he created us for. Like, if you really just, we, we ain't ready for that Bible study. We were created right. to create. Yeah. So if you stop, oh, y'all don't want me to talk about abomination because that's just, that word just hit me real hard. Because we would call a lot of stuff and we won't go there, an abomination. <laughs> but when you stop the created from doing what the creator created it to do, and that is to create, that is an abomination because you are against what he created, the created to do. I'm going to say that and I'm going to keep it moving. So when you <laughs> do not give room for us to walk into the creative side yeah. And we go somewhere else to do it. Mm -hmm. Then we're the wayward child. We are the, you know, the, the prodigal son and or daughter. Mm -hmm. We are pushed and ostracized. But, we're but no one gets, wait a minute. This is what they were created to do. And we didn't even make space for them to do it here. Didn't even make space. We sent them away because your music is too loud. Because your skirt is too short. Because your pants are too low. We sent them away. I want us to get that. We don't get anything else tonight. I want us to get that. We have stopped creatives who got, got created us to create. To create. We have to pour. We must. We, we must. stop that. And then we sit here and wonder what's happening to the church. What's yep. happening to the body. Because and the fingers are supposed to move and we've stopped. We've tied the fingers behind. Because if we think about the body, right? And how the Bible talks about the body and how the, you know, the eyes have to connect. With. So what we did was... <laughs> We blinded the eyes mm. and got mad because we fell. Well, you can't see because you, you blinded the eyes. Right? We shut the mouth up mm. and told the mouth, no, you can't operate because I don't like the way your mouth operate. Like, that ain't really how. Yeah. And then we get upset when it doesn't because it's not speaking. Do you realize you shut it up? Yeah. Oh, this just made me think about the future of the church how the church should expand it should evolve creatively <laughs> to create Ooh. bait for models. but we shut down the younger generation that are filled with so much creative creativity they may have ideas and things to how to evolve the church, how to, you know, things that you may have never heard of because they are another aspect of the father presented to the world in the earth realm. But nobody wants to hear that aspect of the father or they think it's so far fetched because it doesn't fit in their nice little box. So it's shunned and it's, and it's sent out. Even, even the creative aspects of, how we present, like you said. How many times are you gonna change your hair? How many Who says that that's not another creative expression that the father uses to create and to push and present, represent himself through someone, whether they change their hair every two months, you know, whether they're, you know, they're just, maybe they're tatted up, maybe they're piercings everywhere. 
who says, you know what I'm saying, that that's not another avenue or another aspect of the father presented in this earth realm. But because it doesn't fit in tradition of what was old and we can't evolve, like everything's supposed to just remain the same. And as we can tell, a lot of the churches are getting older and there's no succession in place. There's no, you know, young people. A lot of them don't even have youth ministries. You know what I mean? Like, or is the duplication, the youth ministry is the duplication of the adult ministry. Yeah, yeah. Just preach that and, you know, there's still no room to create, no room for them to be them. No must evolve. You see the world evolved and shift in technology and songs and it evolves, it creates, people adapt to it. They, you know, they may be like, oh, that's kind of weird. But all of a sudden everybody's, <laughs> now, now everybody's woeing and every, you know what I'm saying? Because that's what the, that's what the creatives put into the atmosphere. But in a church, because we're so stuck and so traditional, they've been snuffed out and not able to create and evolve this thing to be something We've never seen before, so that we can have more bait, like you catch said, more fish. on the hook to catch more fish. Attract. We just—I'm telling you, well, we are—we just men and women with fishing rods standing at the pool with hooks and no bait. No bait and and we keep asking ourselves, well, why are people coming? Well, what's going what's going on with this generation and these people? Yeah. They just right. won't come. Well, because you got nothing but a hook on the end of that fishing rod. Because okay. you have your judgment on the end of that fishing rod, because you have your negativity on the end of that fishing rod, because you have your uh, traditions on the end of that fishing rod. I tell people often there's a difference between tradition and foundation. Foundation is what we need and, and God set the foundation and the, and the Bible tells us what foundation, but many of us have confused foundation and tradition. Right. They are not the same. Right. Because every house has a foundation, but every house is not built the same. Mm. Some are new aged homes. Right. Awesome. Some people deal with just, you know, squares and, and rectangles. Right. right Some right. want the more traditional ranch style homes. Right. But the foundation, what you will never find is a beautiful house standing or a house that can stand without a foundation. Right. And you won't find every house is traditional. Mm, that's good. But every house has. Typically, you know, there's a place to lay your head. There's a place to use the restroom. There's a place to right. clean up. There's a place to eat. It may not look like yours. Right, right. Because right. there are, and it may not be where you think it should be. But the foundation, mm. the blueprint is the same. But mm. how I put it in that house is totally up to me and my character. Yeah. What works and makes sense for me. Right. And so on that, on that, I don't want stairs because I don't want to walk up and down stairs. Right, right. I don't want all that, right? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but you do, and good for you because it's still a house. 
<laughs> it is. Let, let's, let's stick with the fact that we are sitting on a foundation, but we do not have to sit in tradition. Mm. Period and point blank. So that makes, if you think about it from your, your metaphor, that would mean every house would look the same. All of them. Ding, 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 ding. They would all look the same. And you don't want to visit. You don't want to commune. You want to, oh, because that's, oh, that's the same as my house. I don't oh, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. We will stay, which is what we do. So we will stay in our own space. Yeah. Because what theirs look like mine looks like theirs looks like his looks like hers looks like. That's not creating. That's not creating. That's that why you. I, I, I told my husband uh, the other day when I drove uh, past where the uh, Mercedes building is. Um, mm -hmm. That's downtown, whatever. And when I, when I drove past it, I was just in awe of just how when I drove past, it looked like the building was coming towards me. You know, I, I felt like it I, the way it was built. I felt like I could stick my hand out the window and touch it as I drove by, and I was just so just you know enamored by the creativity that was involved, and and then it made my mind go, and I, I just wondered, dang, who created this? Who built this? Who, you know? And I was just like, gosh, just how how wonderful the mind be must be gift that, that's on the inside of whoever this architect was whoever this builder was to build this out and it just it, it, it literally sent me on a spiral of just like man we're so wonderful we're so wonderful we're so filled with so much so many gifts some people have so many gifts at one time that they get to operate in it at all in any way and they're just good at everything and it's like when you think about just like there's no way the church should still be the same and operate in the same same type of thing in the same type of order of service and the same type that you could pr predict what's going to happen. It's not. It's, it's impossible. We're we're so wonderfully and and intricately made and detailed in our making. There's no way that it should be the same. We should have evolved by now. It's mm -hmm. just like, wonderful. That note that 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 everybody's in awe of, of what has happened. But the, it's like the generation that I feel is right now is the most creative that I've ever witnessed in my, my lifetime. What has happened with social media? People have careers and there's so many young millionaires now just because of this, you know what I'm saying? And, and him, of just download, do this, do that not even realizing that's even where it's from. What would happen at that revelation of, man, this is from the Father, and I'm supposed to do this, and I'm supposed to evolve this, but most of them are depressed. Yeah. Most of them have anxiety, suicidal thoughts, bombarded with their, their gift and their purpose because their minds are racing of who God put, what, what God put in them, and they can't pour anywhere, yep. anywhere. So how can they effectively live out their life in this earth realm without knowing who they are? They can't. And we can't even benefit. The world and the earth realm are not benefiting from creation and the creatives.
because they're depressed. And we, I put myself in that same, I put myself in that same bucket, right? Because I think it's more than just that generation. There's a generation and not necessarily even an age, just as in, you know, in conception of people. Yeah. Who we are stifled in our gifts because we have been traumatized yep. by the church. I and know, by the so church, I mean the, the body, not necessarily, you know, not the institution, yeah, um, yeah. but by the body, we have been traumatized. And because of that, we are not exercised. So when I even think about um, when you talked about your anxiety and those things and how it was prevalent in that space, because we are not allowed, there is something, even if sometimes people don't say it, the, the this says it. So what I you going to do now? Body language, yeah. I know so many worship leaders that aren't leading worship anymore. Because mm -hmm. they, yeah, they're traumatized. Like people, if we, if we would, as, as a human race, like let's even, like let's just take it down to the bare minimum. As a human race, accept people for who they are in the gifts that they operate in, I think what we would see would be phenomenal. Phenomenal. That we could literally shift the world on its axis. On it. We, we really could. Because we were created to create. Yep. And many, many people, when, and I think you hit the nail on the head, suffer from all of these different psychological illnesses yeah. depression anxiety frustration um even some of just the generic you know not even in the psychological realm but just challenges um even yeah. and going back to the psychological realm like eating disorders um all you know with the bipolar schizophrenia people are suffering and i believe some of it is generational but i think this this trend of tradition is generational Absolutely. People are suffering from and with these things because they are not allowed to be their authentic selves. And when you are, I oftentimes in therapy use the word reconcile mm. because we have to reconcile all, that's what thoughts, our thought process, I always talk about reconciliation because it's like, I know what I want to do but something in me because somebody said I shouldn't. So now I'm reconciling the two and I'm, I'm now my brain, I'm doing this. So my brain is doing this. So because my brain is doing this, now here comes some anxiety. Here comes mm -hmm. the pressure. This is hard to do. I have to keep doing this like every day, like just me doing this right now. I feel like I'm getting dizzy, right? And then eventually I don't know what I'm doing. That is what people are going through every day. Mm -hmm. When they have these gifts and these abilities and we and or people try to shut down and tell them they cannot. Mm -hmm. Ah, somebody said pastors are scared the worship leaders are going to take over. And if they understand their position, <laughs> we all have a place. We all have a place. Because there are some people. So <laughs> I think it's appropriate. And I know we, you know, y'all, we're going to let y'all go. Um, um, I think by now you probably learned I'm the queen of similes metaphors. That's how the Lord speaks to me. That's how I, you know. Yeah. Um, 
I have a saying, I don't know if I've said that I might be somebody's chocolate. I don't even know if I've shared that um, with you all. But if I have, I'll share it again. If I haven't, you know, because um, I'm writing a book. Y'all going to see it one day called Somebody's Chocolate. Once I finish this other stuff, I'm going to write this book. But here's the premise behind that. If I take just the three flavors, right? So if I take strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate, just the, the, the ones that we hear about often. Um, and I tell this story often, so if you've heard it, you know, okay. Three flavors. One day I got that vanilla, strawberry, chocolate. So I was like, I might be somebody's chocolate. There are some people who do not like chocolate mm -hmm. because they just don't like chocolate. Right. So some people who the preacher is just okay for, he's their chocolate. Mm. They love vanilla. They love the worship leader, but they're in the bill. They're in the house. They eat ice cream. Be okay because they're in the house. Mm. They're eating vanilla because that's what they absolutely love. Mm. So there are some people who love vanilla, can't stand chocolate. That's just because some people are allergic to it. Some people, if they get too close to you, you can be detrimental to them. Not that you cease to exist and you're not helpful, mm. period. You just are not good for them. Mm. Think about allergies. Some people cannot have things because it will kill them. Right, right. Some right. folks just can't. You can't be around. They can't be around you. It doesn't take away who they are. It doesn't make them not be ice cream anymore. It just means that it's not for you. So going back to, I might be somebody's chocolate. So I might be the chocolate, the person that they, you know, they just the thing that they just don't like. Here's what we do. We often try to put vanilla with us to become something else. Because see, you're a church that like vanilla, and I'm chocolate, and I want y'all to like me, so I'm going to go and put some vanilla on me so y'all can like me, but I'm not at work and operating my authentic self because vanilla ain't who I am. I might be somebody's chocolate. Then I'll go and try to, try to put sprinkles and things on me mm. and try to add, so maybe make myself a little bit more attractive because maybe now you might like me, but I might be somebody's chocolate mm. the flip of that there are people who absolutely love and adore chocolate mm -hmm. they want chocolate ice cream chocolate cupcakes chocolate you name it chocolate covered strawberry they absolutely love and adore it mm. that preacher that word is just for them they love him the vanilla, they can take it. The strawberry, they can take it. They so on the flip side, there are folks who absolutely love and adore and need what you have because being connected to you brings connection to them. Right. So on that, we might be, I just might be somebody's chocolate. Mm -hmm. That I might be the thing that somebody, they just don't like, and it's okay. Right. Here's the thing for you, for you non-chocolate lovers, you ain't got, got to walk around and keep telling chocolate you don't like it. Just keep moving. Mm. Go to vanilla, go to strawberry, go be fancy and go to cookies and cream. <laughs> but do not tell, do not feel that it's your duty to keep telling chocolate, I don't like you. Mm. Because chocolate cannot cease to be chocolate because you don't like him or her. But what chocolate always tries to do now is to be somebody else because it is those mm. words of you do not like me have now settled and are powerful to chocolate. Mm. So I might be somebody's chocolate, and I'm okay with that, but we have to be very mindful of that. What we say to people and how we treat people who are who they are. If you don't like them, you can keep your mouth shut and go over to where you like. Mm. And that's on Mary Had a Little Lamb. That's on... <laughs>
because that's what we have to start understanding so for us as chocolate understand that some people i might be somebody's chocolate there's some people who just don't like chocolate and it is okay yeah but there's some people who absolutely love it mm. and they love everything about me yeah and that's okay and if you don't like me keep your mouth shut Mm -hmm. and stay somewhere because what you may do is be detrimental and cause this beautiful chocolate girl to try to be something as somebody else and when she tries to be something as somebody else she does not operate in her complete gift yep. so I want us to think about that mm. we are grateful for tonight <laughs> I think that's a good place to end such a great place we are grateful for you tonight for you coming for you joining for you being a part it's amazing how we start in a place and we end in another place and i just love how this works thank you answer i know thank you um and i love y'all um but i i think this is just just an awesome space and place um some very profound things were said tonight we hope that you would continue to join us and like corinne said when we first opened um if you want to be a part um please let us know if you have ideas please inbox us if you have things you want to say to us please inbox us please reach out to us we are here for to just grow and to learn we, we're not experts um yeah. we are learning um, you teach us, we teach each other, we teach ourselves even. This is a learning journey. I do not profess and confess, and neither of us do that we have made it, we have arrived. I don't think the day will come. My personal belief is the day you have arrived is the day you're probably going to get your heavenly wings and take on up out of here because you, you, you know earthly good. So. <laughs> right? So oh, I, I believe wholeheartedly. Right. We are not perfect. We have not arrived. We have our own stuff. We have our closets to clean. And we're cleaning. We're cleaning. And this is a this helps us. Hopefully it helps you. And that you even, you know, look to seek out a therapist. If you are in need of one, we'll be glad to help point you in the right direction um, of a therapist who can support you in your journey. Um, if anybody asks, I'm not taking clients right now because um, I got to finish some things. I'm learning to say no. But we are definitely here for you um yeah. so as always the beautiful Corinne lane is going to close us out in prayer and sure. we hope to see you in the comment section because we don't see you, see you next week heavenly father god we thank you hi lord thank you god, your your words god thank you for just speaking through us to people father cover each and every person on this live father Keep them from any hurt, harm, or danger, God. We speak peace over them. We speak uh, calmness in their minds right now in the name of Jesus. We bind any satanic force. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that we get through this, that we availed ourselves for you to speak through, Father. We love you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank y'all. Thank you for all the comments. <laughs> Oh, oh hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> we will see you guys next week. I'm going to save this live so you can share it or whatever to people if you thought it was great. Have some good, have some great stuff in this. <laughs> yeah, you need to send this to me. Send it to me because I, I need this one. I need to, <laughs> this one. I need for me because I don't even know half the things that were said, but I know something. <laughs>
it was hefty. Um, so I'm grateful for you, Nazinga. You're grateful amazing. You. As I get. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Next Same Thursday. Time. Same channel. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Bye.